We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, it's Alex from the Guilty as Charged podcast crew, and I'm here to talk about Manscaped. Just like an NFL game, your balls need to be clean. What happens when your balls aren't clean? I don't know. Joshua Kelly fumbles, Philip Rivers interceptions, deflate gate, you name it. Using the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, you can groom to your heart's content. Their trimming technology is the best in the biz, and you won't catch a suspension for cheating. Personally, I love the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs. Whatever you want, Manscaped has it. For 20% off your first order, use code GUILTY at checkout. It supports the show, but also supports your grooming habits. That's the most important thing. We care about you. Again, that's code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Now let's get to those Los Angeles Chargers. Hey guys, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Got a fun episode today for you. We are so close to free agency. I can just smell the news that is coming next week. Uh, we're recording this as of Wednesday night, which means we are under a week from the start of, free, of official uh, free agency when teams can start signing players. So uh, coming quick here, uh, before we get started tonight, got to introduce my guys, Alex and Tyler. Alex, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I don't know if there's been any news today. I guess there's been a lot of franchise taxes and stuff, but uh, you know, keep plowing forward into the offseason. And, you know, I every time I mention tight ends, someone brings up Kyle Pitts. So, <laughs> oh, man, that is, that is an interesting conversation that uh, is pointless because he's not going to be available at 13. Uh, Tyler, how are you doing today, dude? I'm doing very well. I just got out of uh, presenting to some faculty members and, and students at Cal State Fullerton, about 100 of them. 
went well, and answered some questions. And uh, yeah, it was great to talk to the next generation of BSCR scholars. And uh, Jose, if you're listening, thanks for coming by. Uh, nice talking to you. Bolt up. Nice, man. You met a fellow Chargers fan there? Yeah, he's been uh, messaging me a little bit on Twitter just to kind of talk about the program. And then I uh, got the chance to talk to him while we were there. Very cool, man. Very cool. Yeah, I'm good as well. Happy to be here. We got a little bit of snow here in uh, Fresno, California, which wow. is the first time that uh, I've seen anything close to snow in the past three years since I've lived here, but uh, doing well. So today, um, I think we have to start with the salary cap being finalized, right? You know, the, the NFL did send a memo out. Uh, it is going to be $182.5 million for all the teams. Uh, and in response, there were a lot of cuts today, a lot of franchise tag deadlines done over the past couple of days as well. Um, you know, I think the big two names that, that we wanted to talk about in terms of releases are the New York Giants releasing offensive lineman Kevin Zeitler and the Minnesota Vikings releasing Riley Reef. Uh, we were just talking about Riley Reef um, as well. And Alex and I both actually wrote articles about the Chargers potentially pursuing him last year. Uh, so Alex, what do you think about the Chargers potentially pursuing him again this year now that he's a free agent? Well, I'm not going to be writing an article this year because last time I wrote an article, <laughs> he returned to the Vikings within 30 minutes. Um, so maybe I'll pass on that. I think he's a really good um, tackle. I mean, I know the age might be concerning for people. He's 32, but he's been playing like the best football of his career the last three or four years uh, with the Vikings. And I think he would be a solid option if you want to replace Tevi probably pretty affordable too, right? Um, I think you'd be able to get him on one of those one-year type deals. I mean, the last couple of years, he's kind of been playing on some one-year deals anyway. Um, so I think you could get him for, I don't know, eight, nine million maybe, like, but not that expensive compared to what people might think. Uh, I don't know what they want to do with Tevi, but I think if you bring Riley Reif in, uh, you can have him for a year. Maybe you sign him to a two-year deal. Uh, and you know, you can still grab a tackle in the draft, right? Nothing's really preventing you from doing that. So I think he's an option that's an upgrade and also, you know, is not someone that you have to plan around per se. I kind of think if you're paying someone eight to 9 million, that is an obstacle to taking someone in. Well, not an obstacle to get a tackle in the draft, but certainly not a 13. And if yeah, I'm going right, to stick to my guns, I'm going to stick to my guns. Like I'm sick of band-aids and I want someone at 13. That's going to play tackle. If they have to play guard, I guess, fine. Um, do you want to go into the draft having left tackle completely barren? Probably not. So I could see them bringing back Tevi as a swing kind of guy, but you know, he's a, he's an upgrade, sure. But I'm I'm sick of uh, anything that isn't a first round offensive lineman and offensive tackle at this point. They're in a good spot. They need one. It's a it's a great money kind of situation for them to to, to draft someone at 13. So yeah, I'm I'm just sticking to that. Uh, I don't care who's being released at left tackle draft someone to left tackle the interior guys, the different conversation. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I tend to agree there. Although, you know, my guy right now that I'm leaning towards the chargers drafting is Elijah Vera Tucker. And I would certainly understand them drafting him and starting him at guard. And, you know, there, it seems like the Vikings are, are kind of doing this with Ezra Cleveland, but they drafted Ezra Cleveland uh, and they played him at guard this year. And, and it seems like now that they're going to kick him out to left tackle, which is where he played. Uh, at college so they could do something similar to that with elijah vera tucker um although you know there is some kind of you know precedence for drafting somebody playing him at guard and only sticking him at guard and, and that's where you take him so the other thing here too is you know rayshon slater had a hell of a day at his pro day man and so he ran a four nine put up 33 reps on the bench press looked amazing in pass blocking drills and stuff like that so 
I, I personally don't think that he's going to be on the board at 13, but you know, there's obviously some quarterback situations that need to be panned out and, and it is possible that he's there. So I, I'm not going to say no to Elijah Vera Tucker playing guard and, and you get a Riley reef or a Kelvin Beecham uh, at, at left tackle. If it means that Elijah Vera Tucker is the pick and then you're getting a, you know, future, you know, pro bowl, all pro guard, but, I tend to agree. I do want somebody to play left tackle that they draft at 13. Right. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with that perception. The only thing I would say is in this market where if you might be able to get a guy on a one-year deal, right, that yeah. might not put like all the pressure in the world on whoever you take at 13 or an right. offensive lineman, maybe in the second round to start like from day one. Right. And I think that that's something that could be helpful, at least in terms of development and whatever the program is for Frank Smith and Brandon Staley and however they want or however fast or however slow they want to bring a guy on. So uh, that's the only reason I think that someone like Riley Reif or uh, any of these other tackles that will be available that aren't top tier uh, could be helpful. I'm sure there are some good tackles out there who could fill in. I- Reef or anyone, is there someone significant that has played both left and right that could switch to either side? With the guy that you're signing to be a, a backup kind of swing sort of guy, that's not oh, so yeah. heavy. Yeah, that, that, that could do swing. I think Kelvin Beecham, he's taken uh, snaps yeah. on both sides. Okay. Um, let me look at, I think Reif has just been uh, a left tackle. Storm uh, Norton has taken snaps on both sides. So is Trey Pipkins, right? <laughs> uh, the the other one though here, I, I think to, that deserves mention. I think I mentioned him last time is Matt Filer from Pittsburgh, mm, yeah, because um, he's played left guard, right guard, and right tackle. So you know, presumably um, he would be able to play left tackle in a pinch. And then the other one, really, that uh, is coming out of retirement is Kyle Long. Um, Kyle Long has played right tackle and right guard and left guard. Um, it's been a while since he's played his best football. I think his best football was last time he was like fully healthy and dominant was 2015 or 16. Uh, just hasn't been a very healthy player, but he apparently is in great shape, took a year off and, and supposedly is healthy. There's a lot of injury risk there, but you know, I've said from the beginning, like they're going to take, they're probably going to have to get a cheap starter along the offensive line. Might as well be somebody who has been one of the best guards in the, in the league. You know, if he's the cheap starter, I think that's okay, but you know, kind of depends on the rest of the market there. 2015. He was really freaking good though in 2015, okay. man. <laughs> so it was, I don't know, somebody else. <laughs> somebody else that was good that year. Hey, just just bring it up because he's familiar with the coaching with some of the coaches' staff. Jay Rogers was in Chicago at the same time. So all right. Uh, all right. But I, I do think, you know, the other thing to bring up here is the New York Giants releasing Kevin Zeitler. So there are a, a lot of good interior offensive line options. Obviously, you have Corey Lindsley and Joe Thune, who I think are going to be the market setters. I think those two will be the expensive ones. But then you've got Gabe Jackson and John Feliciano and, and uh, Denzel Good and all these guys, Larry Warford coming back after opting out. So the Chargers are going to have options if they want to pursue them, like that's, that's just the thing is like, who are they going to pursue? Uh, Nick Eason is another one that I, that I talked about in my video last week, but the interior offensive line class to me in, in terms of free agents is much more appealing to me than the left tackle or right tackle group. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you're also spending, I think more money on those guys, right. In the interior. Yeah. Uh, but there are also some good depth options. It really just depends 
you know, which free agency or which free agents do they want to bring on? And then which, you know, guys from last year do they want to bring back and what do they want to do in the draft? And I think they'll find some combination of all three. I mean, I, I know some of us want, you know, the whole nuclear option where you just blow it up entirely and move on. I think we're all three of us are in agreement on that. Um, but it's not going to surprise me if they bring one of Tevi, Feeney or Lamp back and roll with that, unfortunately. I think it is going to be the nuclear option. Just we're going to have Dan Feeney in the fridge. And when he gets nuked, he'll uh, survive and say hi to the Gophers. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad movie. Move on. <laughs> no, if Dan Feeney is back, it wouldn't surprise me, right? Because, you know, he does have that guard center flexibility. Uh, he's never missed a game to my knowledge. And so, and he's got a great relationship with Justin Herbert. So if there is the one that I see them keeping, it's probably Dan Feeney. Although, you know, there could be an argument, you know, we're talking about, Kelvin Beecham and Riley Reif, you know, Sam Tevy is probably in that same kind of tier as Kelvin Beecham. I would say Reif is probably a tier above and would be an upgrade. But, you know, if you're going to choose between Sam Tevy and Kelvin Beecham as like a swing tackle, I think it's kind of the same. It's just one is older and more experienced and one is, uh, how old is Tevy now? 26? I think so. So it just kind of depends on what they want to do. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say no to signing a Kelvin Beecham if it means him being a depth tackle, right? Because, you know, we saw what happened last year with Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton. It was not pretty. And the year before that with uh, Trent Scott and Trey Pipkins, like they have never really had a very dependable swing tackle, which I've never understood why. It's always been veteran guys and then developmental projects. And, you know, when in those developmental projects get in the game, it's just not pretty. So, Getting a guy like Kelvin Beecham or Riley Reifert, they're the swing tackles. That makes a ton of sense to me because they're dependable veterans who could come in, start in a in due to injury and play really well. And so I think it's an underrated priority for Tom Telesco, but you know, we're probably gonna see Storm Norton and Trey Pickens be the backups again next year. Lovely. <laughs> I mean, they've had a backup. I think the last backup I can remember, I don't know if he played both sides but i think the intention was him to do a swing tackle i think it was chris hairston i think, and I think that, he was I think the best right, yeah. backup swing kind of guy that they had and it, and he had to play and it was great you know so i don't know why they haven't explored that i guess they like their own guys and that's fine but it's time it is sure. well past time man and so like that's the thing like they they've got to do some upgrades and so um they have not officially cut trey turner yet uh last we heard i think that was um, on Sunday, right when, or no, it was Friday. It was Friday when Trey Turner, the yeah. news came that mm-hmm. they were trying to trade him or potentially cutting him. So that has not happened yet. Um, the market right now is kind of oversaturated with interior offensive linemen. So, you know, they don't have to do it like right away. I, I would assume that it would happen before uh, the official new start of the league year, which is next Wednesday. But uh, it seems like Tom Telesco is uh, taking his very sweet time right now. Why? Tom, T- <laughs> <laughs> Tom Telesco is still holding out for that first round pick for Trey Turner. <laughs> I don't know. Like, no one's going to trade for him. So just, you know, cut yeah, him. If, right. if no one's going to trade for Kevin Zeitler, and Zeitler's been right. a really, really freaking good player and healthy uh, and was the best offensive player on the Giants, arguably, last season, then no one's going to trade for Trey Turner, man. So just, just get it done with. I mean, didn't um, the Patriots just get like a fifth round pick and a seventh round pick swap for for, for Trent Brown? Brown? You know, so if that's the value for someone who's like been really good, but you know, and had some COVID and injury issues last year, you know, what's the value for Trey Turner? Nothing, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Tom Telesco takes his time, and he also, you know, never 
reveals what he's doing. So that those two things, it's just like we we might we might get three cuts tomorrow. We might get wait till Tuesday. You know, I, I think last year I want to say he waited to like Friday the week before free agency when he did Davis and Mebane. I don't remember the exact days, but it was right before um, free agency started. So I imagine we're in for the same situation again. We'll know when we know. Yeah, we will. And so we're going to do, whenever the Chargers have uh, signing some free agents or anything like that, we we will be doing some live shows in the coming weeks to break things down for you guys. Um, So make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel, have those notifications on, uh, and obviously pay attention to Twitter because we are going to do some some social media things. So um, with the cap officially being said, I I, I did tweet this out, but I wanted to cover it here. Um, Let me pull it up. So they have... $26.6 $26.6 million per over the cap, uh, like we did in our one episode. It's a little different with Spot Track, but uh, people seem to trust over the cap more. I honestly don't know. Um, so they have 26.6. If they cut Trey Turner, that takes them to 38.1. And then cutting Casey Hayward takes them to 47.9 if they do that with Trey Turner. Um, the other options, obviously, are Linvod Joseph and Chris Harris. But again, those two have uh, higher dead cap hits. And I think. You know, there's a higher chance that those two are on the team. But if they do elect to cut Linval Joseph and Chris Harris, that would take them from 26 to 42.06. Uh, and then obviously, if they decide to cut two or three or four of them, then that would free up a, a really big chunk of change for the Chargers. But um, it just makes too much sense to cut uh, Trey Turner, in my opinion, and Casey Hayward and, and, and be able to get close to $50 million in cap space. Yeah, uh, also something that's important to mention, whether you, I think it's the same on both over the cap and spot track, is that uh, rollover cap number from last yeah. year, because I believe they had $8 million that was unused. Uh, so that money will add to whatever their current cap is. So it's 30 on uh, spot track, 26 on over the cap. So if you do the math, it's like 34 or 38, basically, is kind of where they are with that rollover cap. So it's not quite that flat uh 30 million ish number they're in a good spot whatever they i mean assuming turner is actually released um, they can get three guys like hill johnson lindsley for 30 million just like they did last season with balaga harris and joseph and i'm all for that per yeah. year per year yeah per year it's important to point that out <laughs> um <laughs> so obviously you know when i when i tweeted this out everybody w- was like well how are they replacing casey hayward and and i get it man i, I love casey hayward i, I was this close to you know buying his jersey last year and ultimately ended up going with Austin Eckler. So I understand it. He's been a, a fantastic player for the Chargers, one of the best cornerbacks in the league over the last few years. But um, especially especially with the cornerbacks, it, it makes too much sense to cut them early than wait a year and and see if he is just as bad as he was last year or if he was injured. It just the risk really isn't worth it. You got to cut him now, in my opinion, uh, and get ahead of it. So. In terms of replacing Casey Hayward, um, Tyler, we'll start with you here. What do you think is the best option? Are you interested in a veteran free agent or is your primary focus on the draft if they do cut Casey Hayward? Uh, a combination of guys that they can sign that are multi-purpose sort of corners. You can take your Troy Hill and even John Johnson. I'm not saying these are outside corners, but you can move this secondary around to do what you want. Yeah. Um, but overall, you know, I'm looking at the Chargers' most, not most recent visit, but the most notable visit that being Asante Samuel, I think that would fit. Um, I, I do think the Chargers are going to take that day to corner. I don't know when. 
Um, but they look at both Trill Williams and K- and uh, not Casey Hayward. I'm losing it. Asante Samuel. Asante Samuel, there you go. Thank you. And uh, I just think that's the route they're going to go. So while it would be cool to have the secondary be, you know, not Rams West, Rams, where are they? Where's the stadium? Rams South. South. Yeah. Rams South. Um, I'm cool with that, but I, I could absolutely see them exploring it in the draft, but not a 13. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I get why people are hesitant to cut Casey Hayward just because, I mean, he's been the CP1 for, you know, five or six years now, right? And, you know, you don't want to cut him, I guess. But I just think the salary that they could save, you could save $9 million. And even if you didn't want to go through the draft, you can spend on a corner in free agency and probably get someone on a one-year deal, right? I'm, I mean, or maybe a short-term, maybe a slightly long-term, but like, William Jackson is probably going to cost you less than that 9 million you say by cutting Casey Hayward. Um, there are other free agent corners that aren't like, you know, Patrick Peterson where it's just like, Oh, we're, you know, cutting an old guy and then signing an old guy. Um, I think there's routes they can go there. My main concern with Casey is just like, I know people talk about the hamstring injury last year, but he had some pretty ugly games like before that hamstring injury. Right. I mean, week one versus Cincinnati was, a rough one uh, than the Tampa game where Mike Evans made him look silly. Um, I mean, you know, his tackling. Silly and on one leg. It wasn't, Mike Evans was not healthy that day either. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, his tackling, uh, his tackling grade on PFF was actually really low compared to what it normally is. Uh, just looking at the numbers a little bit right now. Uh, and, you know, I, I get the hesitance uh, about it and, you know, the, the draft question and how they replace him is definitely there. But the fact that you could save $9 million and go grab a free agent or uh, you can go grab someone in the second or third round and start to develop them or do both, really, because free agents aren't going to cost you or the draft players that you get at corner aren't going to cost you that much money. Uh, I just think that it's probably time to replace Casey Hayward now before it's too late. The alternative is you keep Casey Hayward or, uh, and then cut Chris Harris, right? That's also a possibility based on what his salary is. Um, but to me, Chris Harris's advantage is that he can more comfortably play in the slot. And I think he could probably, you yeah. know, slide in an outside corner whenever he needs to. Uh, and he was, you know, he was injured last year, but I just think his role is a, is a little bit more well-defined, uh, I guess, versus like Casey is just, you know, do you really just want to throw him out at CB1 next year and or I guess CB2 after Mike Davis? And, you know, I, I just don't see how you could do that after the year he had. You know, uh, I know they might be banking on it was an injury, but he was also he had a bad stretch of games before that injury against Denver. So I um, I think it's just better to cut him now before it's too late, I guess. I mean, the one thing that could change this specifically towards Casey Hayward is if Michael Davis is not on the team, right? So in that situation, then obviously you have to keep Casey Hayward. But, you know, the one thing that I keep trying to bring up with people is that if if you watch the Rams on tape last year, you know, their corners and their safeties all moved around. You know, Troy Hill has, if you look at his profile on Pro Football Focus, he's got reps at safety. He's got reps at free safety. He's got reps at outside corner. He's got reps at slot corner. If you look at Darius Williams, it's the same thing. If you look at John Johnson, it's the same thing. And so you're really like the whole defining someone by outside corner and slot corner with yep. Brandon Staley, it's not really that big of an issue. And it's the same kind of thing, like the kind of players that they're interested in, right? You know, Trill Williams and Asante Samuel 
Both mm-hmm. are guys who can take slot and outside reps. And so, you know, that's the thing for me is like, you don't really need a defined outside corner. You, you, you can take one, obviously, if you have Michael Davis, but you don't need a traditional outside corner opposite him because you can put Chris Harris out there on occasion. You can put, you know, if you sign Troy Hill, who apparently is super cheap, according to spot track, only two years, $12 million is his market value. And then you could draft an Asante Samuel Jr., mix him around. You can draft a Trill Williams. You could draft an Eric Stokes or a Tyson Campbell, although I will say Tyson Campbell is much more of a project than the other guys in that kind of range. But, you know, I've kind of felt like as much as I would like to see them double down on offensive line in the first two rounds, I've kind of felt like they're going to get Staley a a defensive starter, a defensive um contributor in one of the first two rounds and i think it's obviously more likely that in the second round from just kind of how the board plays out they could certainly take a jc horn if they want at 13 um that would definitely make brandon staley pretty happy i would imagine but you know i've just kind of felt like all all along that the second round is gonna be you know a defensive starter and so in this case that is like you know the primary scenario for replacing casey hayward is taking a cornerback at pick number 47 yeah that makes sense. I think Tom Telesco has, I don't know if this is the, these are the best examples, but like he moved on from Desmond King a little bit earlier than, well, than his contract was up. So I think he's at least shown that he can do that. And right now, like while or during the season, did you want a slot guy, especially when, when Harris got hurt? Sure. But now looking back, like it was the right decision, I think, to move on. Slightly not as great example is that they did move on from Eric Weddle. Um, Arguably, he had a much better season than when they when they uh, not released him, but didn't resign him or whatever it was. I mean, they've never really filled that spot. So, but either way, I do think Tom Telesco kind of knows when when to let some guys go. The only issue is that while he does know how to let some guys go, he also knows how to hang on to some guys for way too long. Um, whether it be your Brandon Meebane yeah. or other example, I can't think of. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think another defensive starter is going to be taken in the second round, and and you know why not Samuel? One of these corners. There are a lot of corners that are going to be there in the, with that second pick. I yeah. think they've been unless the you know the, the draft goes crazy and something unexpected happens. But you know you could see Stokes sitting right there. You could see Samuel sitting right there. Um, Joseph or Newsom, whoever these guys are, you know someone's going to be there in that second round. And I just don't think that's that's hard to pass up. You know, and you mentioned like the fact that this defense is going to have guys that move around and play outside of their traditional roles. And I just don't see Casey Hayward being that like, especially at his age with his injuries last year, you know, that he's going to move all around the field and do all that. So it may make sense for both parties just to cut him, And then, you know, he tests his free agent market and finds a place where he could play traditional outside corner, because that's what Casey Hayward does at this point um, in his career. So that's why I just don't, with this new system, it just, I don't think it makes sense. If they were running it back with Anthony Lynn and Gus Bradley or someone like that, you know, it would be different. But I, I just don't think he fits this kind of secondary scheme from what we see for the Rams, at least. Yeah. The, the other cornerback in the draft that I wanted to talk about here is uh, Elijah Molden, the corner from Washington. Yeah. Um, because cool. I think, you know, he's not somebody that I would put on the outside a lot, but he did do it on occasion at Washington. And and he's just a gamer, man. He, take, he takes reps at safety at, at slot corner and he finds the ball. And I think that kind of player could make a lot of sense. You know, Asante Samuel is the same kind of way. Uh, you know, a lot of ball production, really, you know, smooth athlete, fierce competitor. Uh, I think that would make a lot of sense. And then 
if they want to do it later on in the drafts, and then, you know, I think there's obviously some projects down the road. I've talked about some of them. Um, you know, Cameron Bynum from Cal is like my favorite day three corner right now because he just does so much. And I've talked about Thomas Graham before from Oregon, uh, Rodarius Williams, Elijah Griffin from USC, Keith Taylor, Henry Thomas. Like they have options. Mm-hmm. I've said this before, but I think the cornerback class and, and the quote unquote drop off after the big three, big four, I think it's really just an overplayed narrative. I like this cornerback class a lot. Uh, and I think they could have some really good options uh, in the second round or in the third round too. Cameron Bynum is a really interesting option. I was only able to watch a couple of games of his, and I certainly didn't know about him until you put some of those plays on Twitter. Uh, but he's a really kind of interesting player, obviously. You have him as a day three pick. I think that makes sense. Like That's where yeah. I'd probably take him to. Um, but if you can get a player like him, and if you watch him, maybe not the greatest in coverage, but he there's some things that he does you just can't. That yeah. that finding that on day three is incredible. So, yeah, you're right. I think this class is pretty good, and you know if that's the route they want to go, I'm all for it. He's a guy you can move everywhere. I think that this that's been the theme of the off season on defense. Can you do more than one thing? Can you do more than one thing for us, or at least can you yeah. do one thing well and then something else, you know, decent enough where we can move you there? Um, so that really has me thinking about uh, some of the different guys. So yeah, Bynum, that'd be fun. Yeah, I, I think Bynum is an interesting guy, and there's plenty of guys that I think. Uh, have that sort of day three potential. The only thing is like, if you're going to cut Casey Hayward, I don't think you could just grab a day three right. guy and then be like, Oh, he's our mm-hmm. outside corner. Right. Yeah. Um, in that situation, you'd probably have to sign uh, a corner to a one-year deal or something like that. And have, you know, whoever it is, um, you know, if it is Bynum, you know, develop uh, in that meantime. I like how you say that Telesco won't take a day three, whatever corner and make him a starter, but all we, all he's done is take D three undrafted free agents, guys, man. And yeah. make them starters. Like, good luck, sure. Milas. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. So <laughs> that'll be interesting. And I will say the last thing kind of wrapping this, this conversation up, um, the chargers coaching staff has talked about Chris Harris at every single turn. Like literally yeah. every time that they're talking about the defenses, I was like, well, Chris Harris, Chris Harris, Chris Harris. I haven't heard Casey Hayward's name from the coaching staff. Uh, in I don't think ever. I don't think I've heard any of the coaches talk about Casey mm-hmm. Hayward. So I'm not saying like, that's how they're going to sit. Like that's how they're doing business, but it just, you know, if, if Chris Harris isn't on this team in next season, I'd be pretty shocked, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's definitely financial uh, implications to get from him. But if you're cutting Casey Hayward, then like you kind of have to keep Chris Harris <laughs> because you can't yeah. just walk into this room with just Michael Davis and two rookies or Michael Davis and a rookie and a free agent. Like, I think that just would be concerning. So it's it would be good to have someone who at least was here last year and kind of knows, uh, even though it's a new system, knows how to play with some of these guys. I'm not saying that Chris Harris is a bum by any means, but if Staley keeps Harris around, let's say he prioritizes Harris over Hayward, and I could see why, are we concerned that he's a guy who's going to hang on to his guys a little bit too much? Like, is this is this actually the right move for the Chargers? Like, we think it's going to happen. Staley would probably make it work, and I, I think it, I think it could work. But is this is this the right move? And then should we be concerned moving forward because you know I'm I'm keeping Harris? Why? Because I know him. I know him more. Is that is that the? It makes sense for like Johnson, Hill, Floyd to come over, but does that make sense for for Harris? I mean, Harris only has one year left on that two year yeah. he signed, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he'll be around too much longer, right? And it's always just going to be based on 
really what he has left in the tank, right? If Harris has a year, another year where he's injured or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think Staley and Telesco are going to be running to resign him necessarily. So, um, you know, I, I think they'll just, I, I think the real advantage with Harris over Hayward is just that more recently he's played both slot and outside corner. Right. And I think that is a little bit, you know, even though he's older, that still is that Staley versatility he wants. Yeah. You know, I, I keep, I, I've said this a couple of times, but you know, Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco and everybody they've talked about, you know, don't, don't think too much into like the three, four, four, three kind of thing, but the secondary is going to look very different because the secondary concepts are very different. You know, they're shifting from a cover three to, you know, having a, a too high safety kind of system where they move players around all the time. And so, the secondary is the focus in terms of getting guys that fit what Brandon Staley has for his vision. And so um, could Casey Hayward and Chris Harris fit in that vision and, and be around here for the next couple of years? Like, sure. Um, but it just seems more likely that, you know, they go out and get, you know, a Troy Hill or, or a similar kind of free agent corner. Um, maybe John Johnson, that would be amazing. I think Tyler and I are both, you know, on favor on that. Um, and then you draft a guy. And so, it would have been really nice if they had been proactive about the, the secondary and drafted a cornerback in the last couple of years. But, you know, they, they, Tom Telesco has to kind of make this bed and figure out a way to, you know, make over the secondary on the fly because, you know, they're changing schemes and the depth isn't all that great and the starters are not all that great either. So it's well, it was, very different it was, year. it was very important in the draft last year. We had to take Joshua Kelly over Troy Pride. Um, <laughs> there was, it was not debatable. Oh, man. That will never get over that one, but it's okay. Joshua <laughs> Kelly, I, I think you've got a great smile. Um, <laughs> I, I can't. And so, obviously, the other the other big news from this week uh, has been that the Chargers are not going to franchise tag Hunter Henry. Um, you know, I've kind of felt like all along that a long term deal is going to get worked out, um, but it does feel like the the option of him leaving is more likely now than it was a few weeks ago. Um, so we're going to talk, obviously we've talked about why they should resign him. Uh, just quickly, Alex, do you, do you feel like it, it's likely that Hunter Henry is signing elsewhere? Uh, and then we'll talk about how to replace him after that. Um, I don't know if I would say it's likely. I'd say it's likelier, like you said, than it was three weeks ago or like a month ago. Um, I just feel like there's going to be more interest from other teams. And, you know, if there's going to be a team like Jacksonville that can go, Hey, our quarterback's going to be Trevor Lawrence and we have urban Meyer and here's $14 million per year or something like that. Yeah. And no state taxes in Florida, (laughs) um, you know, compared to California. So, you know, in that case, I think that, you know, maybe he would go there or, you know, he obviously loves Bill Belichick, but what's the Patriots quarterback situation, right? That's been, yeah. you know, no one knows really what they're going to do at quarterback yet. Um, I think that, the, you know, the options that we were talking about like a month ago, <laughs> like I keep saying, you know, we were trying to talk ourselves at Gerald Everett and all those guys, but now you, it's like, okay, you have Zach Ertz who's going to get cut. You have Kyle Rudolph who already got cut. Uh, you have John New Smith, who's going to be available, right? Like suddenly I think the free agent market, if you want to go in that direction, looks a lot better uh, yeah. if you want to replace Hunter Henry. And those guys are probably going to be relatively cheaper um, than Hunter Henry. So that's a way to go. Um, I, 
I don't know. I would put it at like 60, 40 that he resigns with the chargers, probably uh, relatively good chance. Uh, and I don't think it'll be hard for them to reach a number. I do think he ultimately wants to stay, but if there's some team that overpays them, you know, like I, like I said on Twitter, it's just like, I, I, I don't think Hunter Henry has shown you enough in the time that he's been here to the point where I'm comfortable paying him 13, 14 million, you know, when you're already paying Mike Williams 15 and you're paying Keaton 20. Uh, I, I just don't know if he's quite versatile enough in that way. Tyler, what are your thoughts I, on, on this one? Yeah. Um, I could absolutely see why they would go elsewhere if he's demanding if for some reason Hunter Henry is chasing the money and he wants $14 million a year, then sure, like goodbye. It's nice, like we really want you here, but I don't know. I, I kind of feel like there's a, I have, so I've had an 80% chance that Hunter Henry returns. I'm pretty confident that he is going to return, even if it costs him a little bit more. I just think, you know, you, I, I can't strip the coaching staff away from Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has no relationship with any skill position player except for Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. And sure, Austin Eckler is a better player than Hunter Henry, but they don't really have like a on-field relationship just yet. Yeah. He doesn't have that relationship with Mike Williams. He doesn't have a relationship with his entire coaching staff, you know, or it, probably the entire offensive line that's going to be in front of him uh, this season. So to strip him of Hunter Henry in a, an important part of his career, especially when Mike Williams is going to be gone anyway, I think that would be a really bad move by the organization. Now, can they replace him and give him a guy moving forward that's just going to be his tight end for more than you know the next couple of years? Sure, maybe, but I just I don't know. I I just I can't I can't see other than Henry just demanding so much money or just not wanting to return. If he doesn't want to be back, he doesn't want to be back. But I just I don't envision him moving on, even with cheaper options out there, even with Ertz there, even with Smith there. I just think that would that would not be in Herbert's best interest more than just a tight end. Um, I don't know. I think 80% chance he returns, even with all this news. Him not being tagged is no surprise. So a lot of fans panic and be like, oh, he's not tagged. He's not returning. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This is never going to happen. So I'm not really concerned there. So, you know, if, if any team can overpay, well, not any team, because Jacksonville will definitely overpay and they can't overpay more than the Chargers. <laughs> but like, I think the Chargers can afford it. You know, if it's, if it's 12 million, if it's 13, I, I actually think they might do it. So we'll see. Yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of in between there in terms of him leaving, but I do think he's going to come back. And it, it was really funny, like, reading, you know, articles of, like, potential landing spots for him. And it was obviously, you know, Jacksonville, New England, Buffalo was one that yeah. was mentioned. Arizona was one that was mentioned. New York, because they have so much cap space. And the reasoning was always the same. It was like, you know, you get a very dependable, consistent tight end for your young quarterback. And it's like, well, gee, like, the Chargers kind of need that too. And so... <laughs> You know, the, yeah. uh, to me, I, it just doesn't make sense, like Tyler was saying, to to let him walk. I think it makes more sense, you know, barring Jacksonville offering him $14 million. And I know, you know, Urban has the money to spend, but is that kind of like his big free agent signing? Like, like it, it sure it could be, I guess. But, you know, it just seems like in a rebuilding roster, they would kind of want to, you know, build up other areas of, of the roster. So, I don't know, man. Like I, like I said, I do think it's a little more likely now. I still think that he does get a long-term deal done, but you know, it also depends what this coaching staff wants to do with the tight end position. If they don't place the same kind of yep. value on it uh, as Anthony Lynn and uh, Shane Steichen and Ken Wisenhunt did, and you know, Hunter Henry is getting better offers, then he he won't be around. But um, I just think you know, you're not going to get a 
more well-rounded and consistent tight end on the market. Because if you're taking Zach Ertz or Kyle Rudolph, they're older and they're both lousy run blockers and pass blockers. And if you're getting Gerald Everett, Johnny Smith, Jared Cook, they're, they're probably a little more athletic, but again, they're miserable run blockers and stuff like that. So if your your goal is to keep a well-rounded tight end option on the team, then you got to resign Hunter Henry. If not, then you can look at, look elsewhere, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would say is just like, you know, I, I don't know if it's just, you know, he, he said in that interview, it's not just going to be money for him. It's other things, right? Yeah. Um, the possibility of working with Bill Belichick, right? We talk about how that quarterback situation is up in the air, but you know, Hunter Henry is going to be going, if he does resign with the Chargers, is going to be going into his third coaching staff here uh, since he's been here. And Bill Belichick has been in the Patriots for, you know, long, almost longer than I've been alive. Um, so Jeez. it's, um, you know, stuff like that where it's just like, you know, does he want something like that? And obviously Bill Belichick is has been in love with him since he was playing Pee Wee League football or something, right? <laughs> um, I think there's been uh, just things like that where it's like it's not all going to come down to does he like Justin Herbert or some other option or does he like you know having 12 million or 13 right I don't think it's all going to come down to that it's just going to be what's his best situation and stuff like that Um, I think they obviously want to try to resign him and like I said my preference would be going with uh, Hunter Henry over Zach Ertz or any of those other options for sure um do I think there's a dramatic difference between those guys? I don't know about that, but personally, I, I definitely think the preference should be resigning him. Well, I think he could go for the stability of a franchise like the Patriots. I think, you know, if it's for a quarterback, sure, you would rather go to the Patriots than probably the Chargers, honestly. Well, I don't, I don't know. Like, the Patriots are a more stable organization. You're probably going to keep that staff together generally for a while. Just well, it's not the quarterback. Not. Just not the quarterback. Um, but Henry will have stability with, with Herbert. And I think that's kind of your best case scenario. Like, yeah, he had two different coaching staffs, but he had rivers and, you know, now he's going to have Herbert moving forward. So I, I think that's enough for him. And that's a great way to get a second contract anyway. Like you're pretty much guaranteed that this quarterback is going to target you all the time. And so you're not second contract, your third contract. I think you're more guaranteed to get one. The other thing I want to remind fans of is that Donald Parham had 10 catches guys. Please stop saying he's a like <laughs> actual I get yeah. it. Is there is there a twenty twenty two chance for him? Maybe. Is there a chance that he has actually a you know thirty catch season? Sure. Guys, he had ten catches, yeah. right? And Donald, or not Donald, Steven Anderson had a blocked punt and a blocked field goal. No, I don't want that either. So I, I stop bringing up those options. I'd rather, I'd honestly rather take Brevin Jordan in, in the second than rely on Parman Anderson. Yeah, that's the thing about replacing him, right? That that we were going to talk about too is, you know, Donald Parham is not a tight end one. You know, I saw a bunch of, you know, fantasy football analysts were like Donald Parham season, and it's like, <laughs> okay, guys, like he's a, he's a great developmental tight end to have. You know, very similar to like a Ladarius Green, but he's not a tight end one. He's not there as a blocker, and he's not there just in general as a football player. Yeah. And sure, like one hundred percent, he probably will have more than ten catches next year. Um, but I'm not ready to do that, uh, making this unquestioned tight end one, um, you know, unless you're getting, you know, an upgrade at wide receiver three, like big enough to, you know, kind of take the vacated targets. But, you know, for me, like the best approach in, in replacing Hunter Henry is very similar to what we were just talking about with the cornerback class is that you sign a cheap veteran, uh, Kyle Rudolph or Jared Cook. I know some people weren't super thrilled about that. 
but you take a, you know, one, two year deal on one of those guys. And then you draft somebody, you know, in the third or fourth rounds, you know, a Tommy Tremble makes a lot of sense or a Kenny Yaboa, somebody that has right now, at least a well-rounded skill set and that has potential. So like in theory, you know, you take Tommy Tremble and there's your blocking tight end. And then you have Donald Parham and there's your developmental guy. And then you have Kyle Rudolph or Jared Cook as the veteran guy who gives you, I don't know, 500 yards next season. And then you kind of go forward with that group uh, in the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I think you can basically, you know, if you keep Hunter Henry here, right. Then what is, what are Parham and Anderson going to do? I don't know. Like Virgil Reigns probably not going to be back. So yeah. you probably promote them to tight end two and tight end three, right. In whatever order you want to put them in. Uh, or maybe they draft a tight end and and sort of bring in another guy in there. Um, but I think you just kind of do it that way, right? If you go for another tight end after, say, uh, passing on Hunter Henry, then, you know, you also can just give those same guys a promotion, right? Uh, and I don't think a promotion to tight end two or tight end three is insignificant because, I mean, it's more snaps. You're getting more experience in that offense. And yeah. I just think you get... Right. You know, if he goes from a 10 catch to a 30 catch season, like or something like that as a tight end too, that would be huge. Um, so, you know, I definitely see why fans like Donald Parham and Steven Anderson a lot. But also, yeah, I, I don't think there's really a route barring Hunter Henry getting injured again to them playing tight end one next year. Yeah, no, like 10, like Donald Parham, I think, like I said, really good developmental option, but he's not ready for, for that kind of role. He was in the XFL last season, for God's sake. Like, I, I'm <laughs> like, I'm not trying to diss on the XFL, but you know, like he was, he was there, like, you know, same with Storm Martin. They're not ready. They need more time to develop. And so the other thing that Tyler mentioned here is, do you take one in the second round? Because, you know, in terms of like coming in and being starters, there's three tight ends in this draft. There's, Obviously, Kyle Pitts, who's not going to be there at 13. It's just not happening. So get that out of your heads right now. Um, and then the second round, maybe you get a Pat Firemuth, although he's been kind of gaining some buzz recently. Uh, and then Brevin Jordan from Miami. I think Brevin Jordan, in terms of replacing a well-rounded tight end, I think Brevin Jordan is a very well-rounded tight end. He's a really good blocker, really good athlete, really good route runner. He was a two-year captain for Miami, whatever that's worth. I know that's worth something to Tom Telesco, but... For us, I don't really know how much that matters. Um, but can you afford to do that? Like, can you afford to pass on a corner, an edge rusher, uh, a second offensive lineman to take that tight end? I don't know if you can. And so, you know, the thing about losing Hunter Henry is that you free up, you know, theoretically $10, 11000000 million to spend elsewhere. But then again, if you want to draft tight end, you got to do it in the second round to get a true starter. So it's where are you willing to sacrifice? And I think to me, it's easier to sacrifice and build through a developmental tight end and a a cheap veteran at tight end than it is, you know, an edge rusher or a cornerback. All right. So how about this? Let's take Elijah Vera Tucker at 13 and Jordan at 47 and use the money for Henry to sign Hill and Johnson, which is a little more expensive than Henry. Which one are you taking? Mm-hmm. The other option being keep Henry and don't have those two guys and then take a corner at second in the second round. So so my option is Henry and a corner in the second round or Brevin Jordan in the second round and then Troy Hill and John Johnson. Yeah, obviously the numbers are a little bit different, but it's like 12 versus 16. So... 
make that work. Mm, Alex, I'll let you go go with that one first. Um, I would probably keep Henry, but I don't know if I would do it by like a lot. Those are two really good options depending on what they want to do. Um, you know, the way that you can also kind of make those salaries work in like the Johnson Hill example is go get a cheaper tight end, perhaps like Zach Ertz, for example. Um, <laughs> and then any reason, Alex? N- no, no particular reason. <laughs> um, but, but um, no, I, I think that there's a lot of ways you could do that. Um, I don't know how I feel about like grabbing a tight end to go play this year. I mean, Brevin Jordan, I, I like Brevin a lot. Uh, and if they really want to go in that direction, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But like you said, like there's just so many needs at cornerback, at edge. Uh, there's probably like six or seven needs, even if Hunter Henry were to walk, um, that I would probably get to before I get to tight end, uh, you know, yeah. especially if they at least sign some guy on a one-year deal or something. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I would probably pick the option where they resign Henry. That's tough. Cause I, I love John Johnson, man. And I love the idea of pairing him with Derwin James, but I just think like roster wise, like they need to get, you know, a long-term cornerback and I think they need to do it in the second round. And so I, I think I would choose Henry in a second round corner. Just be like, I think Troy Hill is a very solid starter, but he's 30 and, you know, John Johnson, I think, you know, while he can play some some in the slot and do a lot of things over the middle, I, I do think that they need to put a you know a premium on replacing an outside corner, you know, somebody that takes the majority of the snaps at outside corner at least uh, in the second round in the draft. Okay. Yeah. So interesting thoughts for sure. I, I I will say though, like if you're getting Zach Ertz, and then you can you know Zach Ertz is the one that makes it say. You know, then you can take like a flyer on a tight end in the later rounds because I think Zach Ertz has a good enough ball ahead of him where I'm not super worried about like the very near future in terms of like 2022 and having that guy because I think Ertz can be a true starter for a tight end for probably two or three years. Right. And, you know, if you have Ertz and Parham, I don't know. That might be the direction I'm leading <laughs> in right now. <laughs> What do you what do you think in terms of a, an Ertz con- like I don't think he's going to get traded I, I don't know no like, he's going to get he's going to get cut yeah he's, it seems like whenever a team says we're going to try and trade him but if not then we're <laughs> going to cut him it just you're going to cut him like just say that right um so Alex what do you yeah I mean you're obviously an Eagles fan so what do you think in terms of a, of a contract for Ertz would look like I don't know I mean you could probably sign him like a two or three year deal eight or nine million per that's kind of i mean it's it's sort of what the deal he's on already you know if he had signed a contract extension with the eagles this year or last year he might have you know uh got what hunter henry is about to get (laughs) um but they couldn't agree on an extension then obviously he gets hurt last year and obviously has the worst starting quarterback play in the league (laughs) and you know then people are looking at his numbers and not adding any context to them so (laughs) that's unfortunate but I, I think you could probably get his current deal, maybe a little bit more just based on, you know, how much the cap has gone up since he got that last deal. Uh, so I would probably say like, if you want to do two years, 18 million, three years, 27, somewhere around that range. I don't think that, I, I think that's about what Ertz would probably get. I could live with that. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that helps you, right, instead of offering 12 years, 48 for Henry or something like that, you know, that saves you a couple million every year. Um, you know, again, I'm not saying I prefer Ertz, even though I've inferred that yes, a you lot. Are. <laughs> are you kind of talking yourself into it, though? <laughs> I, I, I sort of, well, I mean, I'm the... Henry, so <laughs> apparently you've been crowned. Why do you hate Hunter be... Henry, Alex? <laughs> there could only be one of us. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I've i been talking to myself, I guess, more into Zach Ertz from the standpoint that, like, I don't know if you want to offer Hunter Henry all that money. Um, and maybe you go with a shorter term option to build the team elsewhere. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I still prefer signing Hunter Henry just from the standpoint that, you know, he has that familiarity with Justin Herbert and you're not throwing a new tight end right. in there. Um, but, you know, for me, the the second the offer gets too big or he really says, hey, I want to go to New England and be butt buddies with Bill Belichick, then I, I think that's the point where, you know, you pull the plug and you look at your other options. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see really how Hunter Henry's market does pan out. Because once Zach Ertz is released, you know, you've got Ertz, you got Rudolph, you got Jarring Smith, Gerald Everett, and Hunter Henry, obviously all atop the, the tight end market. Um, and I think Mark Andrews is due for an extension here pretty quick as well. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what he gets out there on the open market. Um, you know, I still kind of would think that like a four year, $45 million deal would seem fair for both sides. Um, but that's just kind of my opinion. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not the capologist that Ed McGuire is, so we'll have to kind of see what it is, but I think four for 45 sounds pretty fair to me for both sides. Right. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well, we were going to talk about, uh, how Dak Prescott's contract affects, uh, Justin Herbert's future. Uh, but I think that could be a little long conversation. We've already been going for an hour, so we'll, we'll cover that one, uh, probably next time. Uh, Tyler, Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Yeah, Herbert's um, going to be expensive in the future. There, that's the hour-long talk. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Your homework. Alex, any other thoughts? Please, man? Adam. Please, Adam Schefter. I'm begging you for just a crumble of news. A, a little, oh, a, little of, a little more of A little more A little more of news. Tom Telesco, please (laughs) watch. We're going to release this episode tomorrow morning. And then like at 9 a.m., it's going to be Chargers release Trey Turner. Like that's just Aaron Donald. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, like I said, we're going to be doing some live videos, uh, live reactions to the Chargers and and potential moves, obviously, uh, over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, next Wednesday in particular is going to be crazy because, you know, the teams are able to start negotiating with free agents, I, I believe, on Monday. Uh, and then Wednesday, they're able to, you know, sign on the, the dotted line. So Wednesday is going to be pretty crazy. Um, and, and so make sure and stay tuned for that. Subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and set those notifications. All right, guys, that'll do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Leave us a review if you please uh, feel so inclined. And we will see you next time.